Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the bottom. Problems along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshire. And it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Kyle Busch takes home gateway after finishing second there last year. Finally tames that track in a very, very long race in, in Illinois um, after a lightning delay and, and a couple cautions towards the end. Um, he showed a very dominant car, but but this race really, he he got out in front ahead Blaney and and... I don't think Blaney, for me, I didn't expect Blaney to come back this fast and have a competitive car, but the Fords with Penske looked very solid this weekend, but Kyle Busch uh, just snuck one around uh, towards the end after a couple restarts, was able to hold off uh, Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano to win win his second race or third race of the year. Yeah, and three three races with this group is a big deal, and like you said, he held off a lot of good charging cars there at the end with what four or five different restarts and this race had a little bit of everything in it i mean we had a almost an hour long delay because of lightning mm -hmm. and then there was technology issues which is so funny because <laughs> the name of the track is the worldwide what is it worldwide web technology, technology. raceway okay. or something like that and so they had all these <laughs> technical problems which kind of postponed the race there for you know 10 or 20 minutes and they finally got this in so you know this this track to me is very interesting because we talked about it last week and there's not a lot of banking and it we thought that it would kind of race like an intermediate track but it's kind of a short track and i think it kind of showed there wasn't a whole lot of passing once you know you you got lined up and they strung it out and and kyle bush had the best car I think out of the entire field. I mean, he led 121 laps and then Ryan Blaney led 83. And, uh, the next closest person was Daniels or excuse me, uh, William Byron who led 30. So he was, he was the class of the field all day. And for me, I think we we've seen this evolution of Kyle Busch take place. And at the beginning of the season, I know a lot of people were saying, did he downgrade? by going to RCR that, you know, he left Gibbs where he was the number one commodity. He was their number one guy. He won a ton of races over there for the Toyota camp. And, and you could see that anything that Toyota did, it was Kyle Busch centric. And so a lot of people I think were not counting him out. I think they were saying this could be the end of Kyle Busch. We'll see him go to RCR and he may just go out to pasture and, languish over there and be done but i think that he's actually had a good change of scenery and is coming into his own again and it would not surprise me if he rattled off three more wins and got to six so he's been really good week in and week out and it, to me it just comes to show that chevrolet has been really really on it this year so kyle bush winning not a big surprise for me i think is more of a surprise that he dominated in the way that he did yeah, this race last year was was really a battle between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch throughout the entire race. Nobody really else had a had a play in that race. This race felt a little bit different. It, there was a couple cars that uh, were around the top five all day that you could have said had a shot to win this race. But once Kyle Busch took the lead away from Ryan Blaney in, in the third stage, 
um, and regained it, it, there was no taking him down. He he showed every restart that uh, he was the fastest car on the track. And um, again, like you said, David, a lot of people have said that Kyle Busch going to RCR might be the end of his, his career. I, I think as of right now, you got to say it's the rebirth of his career. He has uh, has shown a lot of speed since the switch to RCR. He's finishing better than, than he was the last couple of years at uh, Joe Gibbs. I, I think Kyle Busch is with RCR right now as a threat to go get that championship. I do too. I think if if we were to pick, this is the problem though. If we were, if you were to tell me, I have to pick four drivers today to be in the championship. I don't think there's anyone in this current list that's in the top sixteen that I feel pulled out for. That I'm like, yeah, they they're gonna go on, you know, to to be in the final four. And that, those sixteen drivers, and this is starting at the back: uh, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Chris Busher, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, which to me, the Chris Busher and uh, Brad Keselowski both being in the top 16, that speaks volumes for how well they've ran this year and just the page that is turning over there at RFK. In 10th, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson in 9th, 8th, Denny Hamlin, 7th, Kyle Busch with three wins, 6th, Christopher Bell, 5th, Ross Chastain, 4th, Martin Truex Jr., 3 Kevin Harvick, to William Byron, and in first place leading the points is Ryan Blaney. So out of these 16 drivers, I don't have four that I'm looking at right now and saying, oh, they're a mortal lock to go into the championship race at Phoenix. Like, yes. I know that a couple of years ago we had the big three, and I don't feel like we have that you know, this year. And I don't feel like we had that last year. There was just too much parity. But I will say the two drivers that have been the most consistent have been William Byron and Kyle Busch. And so I know they're, they're not, they're not leading the points because Blaney is doing that because he's led a bunch of laps. He's got a number of playoff points and some stage wins and one race win. So he's, he's been consistently good as well. But for me, you know, you, we're so predicated on winning. So William Byron with three wins, Kyle Busch with three wins. I think, those two are kind of at the top right now and they're having a really good year. But I want to ask you, do you think that them having a good spring and, you know, a, a decent May, is this going to lead into them carrying momentum into the summer? Or are we going to see a couple of other, you know, people rise at the top, like say, you know, Kyle Larson, he's got two race wins. He's been eyeing a lot of victories. He's been up front running up front and he just hasn't been able to close it out. Do you think someone like that can come to the front here in the summer and really have a, a hot streak as we move into the hotter months of the year? In in my opinion, from watching what we've seen in the next-gen car, I think that the summer and, and as we go into the uh, playoffs, I think the summer is going to consist of guys getting wins and they get that first win that's going to be kind of a breakthrough for their season and then you watch the next couple races and they show tons of speed in those next couple races i think you can look right back to ryan blaney what we saw this week and last week at the coke 600 the, the coke 600 he gets his breakout win snaps a 59 race winless streak and then unloads on the in illinois at gateway and takes the lead within a couple laps and he's and he wins a stage and and finishes in the top 10. So I I think that with this next gen car it's it's really 
momentum base once you get a win it, it really helps the team out I don't know whether it's it's the team morale that that win kind of gives them a little bit more aggression and hope going into the next couple of races but I, I think from what we've observed the last couple the last two years with this car is when somebody wins they they most likely show speed for the next two to three races and I think that's what will play out through the summer and I think as we get into the playoffs somebody's going to have a breakout like Christopher Bell did last year, string a couple wins in the playoffs and make a run into the final four. And I, I think that's how it's going to play out. Um, I agree with you that I, I don't think there's four locked in drivers um, for the championship four. I, I think we're at, we were at this point last year where we couldn't really pick any, any guys to lock into the uh, final four. And, and I can name off guys who I think, as of right now, who who look good. William Byron looks awesome right now. Kyle Busch has done really well in RCR. Kyle Larson's hard not to pick. But then again, we saw it last year. Kyle Larson got knocked out in the round of 12, um, as long with another Hendrick teammate. It These playoffs with the NASCAR Cup Series are so hard to advance in. And, and one, one wreck or one mistake can really end your whole season so I, I think as of right now we just got to keep watching these guys and see uh who can really string in some good finishes together yeah i agree and before we kind of move off of the race in st louis i wanted to ask you what your opinion of how well carson hosovar performed and then on the tail end of that what did you think of Corey lajoy's performance he finished i think around 21st in this race but uh carson hosovar he he had a good run strung together and i think he could have finished in the top 15 if his rotor had not have exploded as he was uh coming out of one of the turns there and ended up pancaking the side of the wall. So I think he finished, ended up finishing last on the day. He was the first car that had that issue. So what was your impression of uh, those two guys in different equipment? I think I'm going to start off with Carson Hosevar because I think he showed what he can do as a 20 year old driver. He's driving full-time in the truck series has touched his dipped his feet in the water of the Xfinity series. And what we've seen from him in the Xfinity series has been pretty incredible and, and now gets a start in one of the hardest cars to adapt to compared to what he's driven and showed very good speed in a car that isn't, doesn't have the best speed. So he was running in the top 20 for, for most of uh, the middle stage of the race until he had a brake rotor failure, which is kind of uncontrollable to him. He, he can't do much about that. And and I think he showed great speed. I think what Carson Hosovar showed is uh, is going to help him through his career. And and his phone might be ringing up for the next couple of years at, at getting a good spot and a good ride. Um, Corey LaJoy, though, I I thought Hendrick itself offloaded really bad. I didn't think they had good cars um, at the start of the race and in practice. Like when Kyle Larson starts in, in the back of the pack, you know something's up with with the cars. And I know Corey LaJoy hit the wall in in qualifying and practice, and was still trying to figure out that car. But for Corey LaJoy, I think the the week he had to adapt to go into Hendrick and and kind of learn the car out and and go in. I expected a little bit more, but he still finished the race, finished twenty fourth, I think, and and I think that's probably where he would have been around in that seven car. So I I think for Corey LaJoy, I don't think it's going to hurt his career, but I also don't see it 
really being an explosion for him um, to, to get a good ride. Yeah, and for me, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. you finished 21st, and I wanted more. But like I said earlier, this track didn't really benefit to a lot of passing and be and being able mm -hmm. to drive up through the you know th through the pack. And the only person that we really saw do that was Chastain. But then after he got into a little mix up with Michael McDowell, I feel like he he faded. And I don't know if that was because of uh, damage because he finished eighth and ninth in both of the stages and then finished outside the top 20 in the final stage. And McDowell finished ninth. Uh, at the end of the day. So I don't know if Ross had a little bit of, um, you know, damage that was accrued from their on track run in, which to me, like when you watch this back, everyone will say, Oh, it's just Ross being Ross. And he chastained Michael McDowell. But when you look at back, his left tires were all the way down in the rumble strip and he was turning left as hard as he could. And we have to remember that Michael McDowell was on a two tire stops and they, he had just, uh, they just pitted, and when he came down pit road, they only took two tires, and everybody else around him took four tires. And so he didn't get a good jump off of the restart. Then he spun his tires, and he got washed up into that middle lane, and Chastain dove down in below him. And like I said, he got all of his all the left side of the car on the rumble strip, and they just kind of touched one another. And I think that it affected Chastain's car a little bit, but uh, Michael McDowell got spun around. And if you listen to his in-car radio, he he says, what happened? And the spotter goes, well, you just got Chastained. But I don't think that's a fair assumption for Ross because in this particular instance, um, I think that it was just one of those racing situations. And McDowell should have known that he was about to get you know blown away. He was on He was on two old tires. And so for me, I don't think that it was really fair for them to put the onus on Ross that way. And I think that it really affected his day. But he's been kind of MIA lately. I mean, not a really good finish in the 622nd here in St. Louis. What's your opinion on what's going on with the number one team right now? Yeah, well, first I'm going to say Corey LaJoy finished 21st, not 24th. I got that mixed up. But with Ross Chastain, I think the incident between Michael McDowell, just like you said, I think it's a racing incident. Um, we've heard it from almost every driver. The best way to make up positions is on a restart, and, and that's all Chastain was doing. Michael McDowell had a slow start. Chastain saw the inside line open. He took it. He's always going to take that. We understand that. Everyone should understand that now. Uh, by the way, Chastain has raced for the past uh, two years since he's gotten the number one car with Trackhouse. He's going to take a hole if it's open. And and putting a guy three wide when you go on the inside, if it's there, you you got to take that if you're Ross Chastain, especially when you're trying to make up positions from uh, the back of the pack. Um, he got into the incident. I definitely think um, the damage from his car hindered him and, and was the reason why he didn't have such a good race because his teammate, Daniel Suarez, had a, had a great car and was running in the top 10 pretty much all day, top five for parts of the day, and ended up finishing seventh. Um, I think Ross Chastain, the Coke 600, I, I think they just missed that. Both track house cars, I think, just missed setup. I know Daniel Suarez was solid um, at the start, but Ross Chastain was really never in fair um, for that race. And he's been really, really good on the mile and a half and intermediates. And I think they just completely missed Charlotte. Um, but as you go into Gateway, I, I think they had a really good car uh, from what he said at practice and qualifying. He qualified. Eighth, I think it was, and, and 
was in the top 10 for a lot of the start of the day. And up until that incident with Michael McDowell, I think he would have had a, a really good finish. And and I think with Ross Chastain, I, I really don't see a problem with the last two finishes. I understand that he's an aggressive driver and things are going to happen and, and he's not going to string in the best finishes every week. So I'm I'm not too scared as of right now, but Sonoma I really think's a race that both of those drivers uh, in the Trackhouse group can really do well at, especially Daniel Suarez knowing that he won the race last year. Um, I I expect to bounce back this week uh, going into Sonoma for them, but if if we keep going on and he still s- stays around fifteenth to twentieth, then that's when I think it's time to start talking about what has happened to Ross Chastain. And and then kind of moving into the, you know this next part, uh, I wanted to ask you what you thought about Chase Briscoe's penalty and kind of the hole that they have been you know put in. They were they were found to have been infraction of an L three penalty and they had a counterfeit part on their number fourteen Stuart Haas racing uh, Ford Mustang, which basically means that they took a part that was not sanctioned by NASCAR that they made their own part and then put it on the car for the Coca-Cola 600. And it didn't really help them at all. I mean, he, he finished 20th. So it's not like, it's not like it gave them some super competitive advantage. And then their car was just randomly picked back to the R and D center and they found the part. And now they're in a big hole. L three penalty is that's, you know, the worst one that you can get because they're going to take a lot of stuff from you. And they took 125 under points, 25 playoff points with the playoff points are huge. And then he, uh, they, uh, crew chief, Johnny Klossmeyer was suspended for the next six cup series race. That's right. Six races and find $250,000. So once all this shakes out, chase Briscoe is now in 31st in the point standings. So he he has to get a win. And then even has if he get does a win, get yeah. a win, he is going to be docked those 25 points, which basically means he will have to win again in the first round to advance to the round of 12. And then when they reset the points again, he will still be in last place, minus 25 points, and will have to win again. And so for him to make it all the way to the Final Four, he will have to win one race in every single elimination round, but he has to make the playoffs first. That to me, that is almost, you know, the, the chances of that happening are almost impossible. I know that we saw Christopher bell in must win situations last year, come through and win two big races and chase Briscoe is a good race car driver, but Kevin Harvick has been really good for SHR this year. And then everybody else has kind of been behind the eight ball. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what did you think of the penalty? And do you think it's even possible that he makes it in to the round of 16? Yeah, I think it's still possible for him to make it into the round of 16. He can win a race. I I don't think that's out of the question. But based on a driver who was in the round of eight last year, I I think there's no shot if he makes it in the playoffs that he advances another round. Um, From what we've seen from the Stuart Haas cars other than Kevin Harvick, is that they are very hit or miss, and and they really don't show as as much speed as Kevin Harvick does. And I think, I mean, Chase Briscoe was running really well this season. He was right around the border um, of of points. He was running solid um, without a win. And 
I, I think this pretty much takes it, it takes his season out of contention. He there's in my eyes, there's really no way he he can get at least past the round of sixteen. If he makes it past the round of sixteen and and proves me wrong, I'm gonna be pretty surprised. And that's gonna be pretty strong for him. But it, this is a massive penalty. You, you, this is a really, really big penalty. And NASCAR's said that if you go, depending on how bi- how much you interfere with the car, the levels of the penalties, they're drastic. And an L3 penalty p- pretty much takes you out of contention, even if you're right around the border. Um, so, so for Chase Briscoe, I think he can still get some wins and, and still get some good finishes, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that this is going to end his season on whether he's going to win the championship or not. Austin Dillon, after he got into a conflict with Austin Sendrick, Austin Sendrick came up and hit him in the right rear and sent him up the racetrack in St. Louis, collecting Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as well. And after Austin Dillon got out of the car, he talked to a couple of different media members, I think, at uh, frontstretch.com, and he was pretty adamant that Austin Sendrick wrecked him on purpose, that he right-reared him, and that he should be suspended. And so for me, like I've watched the replay back a couple of different times, and to me, it doesn't look like Austin Sendrick was being malicious, but he definitely drove down into Austin Dillon. So I wanted to get your opinion on you know what what you thought of that particular incident, and should Austin Sendrick also receive a suspension just like Chase Elliott did this week? Well, the the suspension is up to NASCAR. I think that it, if NASCAR is a uh, gonna go with how they penalized Chase and how they penalized uh, Bubba Wallace, I think that there's a good chance Austin Sindrick could see a see a suspension for one race. Um, but but who knows? I mean, this one was definitely not as bad as Bubba Wallace's or Chase Elliott's uh, slower speed track, like. N- it wasn't as as bad as theirs, but still, a right rear is a right rear. Depending on how NASCAR takes it, I think they can uh, suspend him for a race and and do what they think's necessary. Um, if Austin Sindrick receives a suspension for a race, I think that would put him in a pretty bad situation uh, because out of the Penske cars, he he really hasn't been the best um, through throughout the last couple of years and. And he's he's a solid driver, and especially when you get to the road courses. And if NASCAR decides to suspend him going into Sonoma, I think Sonoma is a really good shot that Cindric has to to maybe get a get a win and make a run for the playoffs. And if he loses a race, obviously it's gonna take him back a, a week on points. But it's also Sonoma is a really good shot for Austin Cindric to win. When he looks at races to win, he definitely circles the road courses as as his favorites. And uh, taking one of those off would be very crucial for him. I agree. So now we get to move into California and we go to, what is it? Uh, wine country is what they say yeah. as we head to Sonoma. And weather looks good. Um, I really like this track. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's To me, it's a beautiful track as well. And last year we had a first-time winner at this event in Daniel Suarez. And like you said earlier, the track house cars, they're pretty good at road courses and they've been really racy uh, here early in the year. Not so much the past couple of weeks. What do you think the odds are that he may repeat as the race winner? I mean, Daniel Suarez is, is 
been a really good driver. They've showed speed at the road courses at almost every road course we've been to. I don't think it's that far out that he could go out and, and get another win at Sonoma, make it his second career win and punch his ticket into the playoffs. I think that Daniel Suarez has all the skill to do it at Sonoma. Sonoma's probably the hardest road course that we go to. A lot of blind turns, a lot of elevation change, not a lot of room to work with. It's pretty slick. So it, it really plays into the driver's hands a lot. I think Daniel Suarez is a perfect driver to uh, to get one home at, at Sonoma. But also, Sonoma is a very, very hard track, just like I said. I think that just as easily as Daniel Suarez winning the race can be, I think it, he could make a mistake and, and end his race pretty quickly at, at Sonoma. So I think there's a lot of drivers that have a shot to win at, at Sonoma this weekend. Um, you could say Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott really at, at Sonoma, has this has been the one road course he hasn't really figured out yet. He's won it once, but compared to the other road courses, especially Watkins Glen and the Roval, he, he's really, this is probably his longest shot at a road course. Um, but Sonoma has a lot, a lot of different guys who can go out there and sneak one out. Uh, my opinion, I think that it, throughout the manufacturers, it's going to be pretty diverse. I think it's going to be a very even track. Um, and and we could also see a veteran go out there. We know Martin Truex Jr. is really, really good at Sonoma. So I, I think as of right now, there's a couple guys I got in my head that I know can win. But I, th I think Daniel Suarez is one of them up at the top of my list. And I think we also have to remember that the road courses, we no longer stop for the stages. They're going to award the stage points. They'll say this person won this stage and they're just going to keep on trucking. They're not going to stop the race and come down pit road and then restart. So what does that kind of do for your strategy then? I mean, we've seen in the past, William Byron has, you know, won the pole. They go out, they lead almost every lap of stage one. And then, you know, they pit and stage uh, two and then right before the end of stage two, they would come down and pit, give up all the stage points and try to set themselves up for track position for the start of stage three. But with this new you know, rule where they're not going to do these stage breaks, we may see something like we saw in Austin where they do the calculations out and try to make this a one to two stop race. And if that happens to me, it makes it a little bit more compelling because then you've got people on different strategies and you've got people trying to play the fuel window. So do you like that they do this or do you kind of wish that they would still have the uh, stage breaks and then we re-rack them and have a restart? I think for the road courses, I, I like the aspect of not stopping for the stages. I think strategy in the road courses is awesome to watch. I, I think it plays into the more of a team role, but like we saw at North Wilkesboro with the no stage stops, I think, uh, or they only had one stage, but it was middle of the race. It, it didn't have a lot of stages is what I'm trying to go off of. I think that the oval still, I like the stage stopping. Um, I, I think it getting the pack back together um, and, and bunching them up again for another restart is, is very entertaining and it can uh, get an easy person to go out there and, and take the lead off of the guy who it could be dominating. And it just kind of mixes things up. But for the road courses, I think um, adding strategy for the, for not stopping for the stages is, Really entertaining. We saw it uh, earlier at Coda this year in the only road course we've watched. Um, and also, Sonoma is is a pretty long track. It's not as long as Coda is. For a road course, it's kind of in the middle, but 
it strategy wise they don't have a lot to go off of in the next gen car here um so i i think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do i think if you're a guy like joey logano out there and you're probably in like second or third towards the end of one of the stages i think you stay out and and take the stage points knowing you already have a win um but like william byron i i'd say for where he's sitting in points at second i think for him it's better for a win i know points matter but a guy like joey logano who who ha- already has a win but he's sitting in 12th he he could use some points to crawl his way back into the fight for um the first spot uh in the playoffs but a guy like William Byron, who's right on the edge, a win win would help too to crawl your way back in. So I, I think it's going to de- de- uh, be determined by which driver is in that position and what they need more is if it's points or a win. Um, but I think strategy is going to be really fun to watch at Sonoma this weekend. Yeah, I agree. So we've got, what, 218-something miles coming up in California, and this is also Fox's last race of the season. So who, who do you think is going to win? Well, I, I have a bunch of different guys in my head that I think can win this race. Tyler Reddick showed really good speed in the 45 car earlier this year at Coda. Chastain's been really good on the road courses. Daniel Suarez, like we've said, has been really good. But I think it's going to go to a Toyota. I think Christopher Bell is going to get his first win of the year um, at Sonoma. He's been really Christopher solid. Christopher Bell won at uh, Bristol, didn't he? Oh, sorry. Yes, he did. He won on Bristol Dirt. But I think he's going to get his second win of the year. Um I just think that this track is going to play into a, a guy who's really, really smooth, kind of keeps his car clean. And the past couple races, Christopher Bell has been quiet. But I, I think that looking at in the pack, Christopher Bell is one of the cleanest drivers we have. And, and I think if you give him a good car and he gets out in the lead, he's going to take it home. I like it. I'm going to pick somebody who got a win here probably about the time I started working at PRN and they had a great finish. And uh, I'm going to pick the four car of Kevin Harvick. I think it's time. He's had a pretty good run the past two weeks. I'm going to pick that four and see what happens. You know, see if he can ride off into the sunset with a with a W this year. So I'm excited to see it. And and again, catch all the action on PRN. Um, it should be a lot of fun. This is probably one of my favorite race weekends out of the entire year. Yeah, as we go off back to the west coast of Sonoma, California, David, thanks for joining me. I'm JC Fickett here. Thanks for stopping by the garage. Thank you.